Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I'm joined by my favorite ghoul friend, Tara. Hey, spooksters. Today, we are doing, for our Stabby Snippet, we are doing our final installment of our recap of I Just Killed My Dad. It's on Netflix, and this episode is called Big Bad Bert. This episode deals a lot with controlling behavior and physical, emotional, and psychological abuse, so if those are triggers for you, please feel free to skip this episode. We love you, and we want your mental health to thrive, so... We understand if this would be triggering, so we just wanted to put that trigger warning up front, but mm-hmm. we're going to dive right in. The episode starts off pretty big. It starts off with showing all of the surveillance cameras. Susan, who, funny enough, halfway through most of my notes, I wrote her name as Teresa, and I was like, that's the wrong person. <laughs> Susan walks us through and you see within like the first minute and like 37 seconds of this documentary or of this episode, you see all of the exterior ones, which mm-hmm. she he has one by their front door. He has one by like a couple exterior doors, their carport. So that way, like she would like pull in right next to the door to unload her groceries, which I think is smart because, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> less work, less carry. Yeah. She would say, like, he could see all of what she bought, like, how many bags she would bring in, like, where she went, and everything like that. And they talk about how the family is always being tracked by Bert. His phone, and we're going to get into it later in the episode, his phone basically helped him technologically control his family. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. At this point in time, AJ or Anthony is being charged with second-degree murder. Because it's the intent to kill someone and you actually kill them. It's not like premeditated where he sat around and thought about it, but it was like he decided, I'm going to kill this person. I'm going to do it. That's what they're at. The DA was kind of batting around the idea of manslaughter. Mm-hmm. And what it would have to be to make it manslaughter is that in the heat of the moment, a reasonable person couldn't think of anything outside of just killing the other individual. So that's kind of what they were thinking. But a manslaughter sentence could get him zero years to 40 years. And that would put him out in his late 50s if he got the maximum sentence. Mm -hmm. So they needed to be able to 
know without a shadow of a doubt that he would be able to walk away if they went to trial. The DA was questioning, did Anthony actually fear for his life in the moment leading up to Bird's death? Mm-hmm. And this is literally at this point is when they cut to, oh, I think this, or maybe it was right after they cut to the, the intro, but it was like very right at the beginning of this episode. I was like, wow, it's kind of big impacted, like right up front. Mm-hmm. If you love true crime podcasts, I want to tell you about True Crime Obsessed. Each week on True Crime Obsessed, hosts Patrick and Jillian tell a fascinating true crime story by recapping a popular documentary based on the case. Their storytelling is detailed and suspenseful, and also entertaining and funny. A listener review put it best by saying, These two strike the perfect balance between humor and thriller. Listening to them, I'm belly laughing while at the same time locking my doors and turning on all the lights. With over 200 million downloads and a thriving community of listeners, True Crime Obsessed has been at the top of podcast charts for over six years. They have over 30,000 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and their live show sellout theaters all over the U.S. and internationally. They even host an annual weekend-long fan convention called Obsessed Fest, where they bring together thousands of their listeners with some of the top true crime creators in the world. So, if you've never checked out True Crime Obsessed, now is the time to join their community. If you're looking for a new True Crime Obsession, follow True Crime Obsessed wherever you get your podcasts. There's over 300 episodes waiting for you to check out right now, covering everything from serial killers to notorious murderers to the cases you haven't yet heard about but won't be able to forget. That's True Crime Obsessed wherever you're listening right now. It was interesting to me because the Susan that you meet in episode one is I loved my husband. My husband was amazing. He was a great provider, all this stuff. And the Susan you meet in episode three, they want 80 from each other. They are so completely different. They're not even on the same, like, same field, same mm-hmm. sport. Like, they are so, they're on different libraries, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So she says in a quote, his lies caught up with him. He hit rock bottom with a son who hated him. And this is kind of like the foundation of this episode. Like if I could have given like a one line, it would be this. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing with the DA is they're curious why there was no medical records indicating domestic violence against Anthony, any Mm -hmm. abuse. And they were hanging on to the, the verbiage, he said, when he's being questioned by police. And mind you, at this point in time, Bird is still alive. He's just on life support. He says, we just don't, we don't get along instead of like, he's abused me for years and years and years. And the DA is kind of like hanging on to this. And I want to point out that like, we're going to learn in this episode how uneducated Anthony is. Yeah. And we're going to learn so much. And so maybe it has a little bit to do with his intellect. Like he might not have had the right verbiage because he was never taught how to properly interact with people. Mm -hmm. Also, Bert is still alive. There's a chance he could go back to Bert if Bert survived. Mm-hmm. So maybe saying he abused me for years and years is scary because what happens if they don't believe him and Bert yeah. survives? He, they're going to give Anthony back to him and it's going to be like a million times worse for Anthony. Mm-hmm. Susan goes back to the house and she kind of like starts going through stuff. And It's interesting because the way she's talking about Anthony, she's like, he didn't go to school and she knew he didn't go to school and she knew he wasn't being properly homeschooled because she taught him how to write his ABCs, both lowercase and capital. 
she asked him, like, what is your address? And all he could give her was the zip code. Yeah. Because I'm sure that's all Bert taught him. Was, this mm-hmm. is my zip code. Bert told Susan that Anthony had been homeschooled prior to Susan meeting him. But, like, they met eight months after he abducted him. So he was, like, what, five? Yeah. yeah. And so in my head, I'm like, okay, Susan, like, I ought to start tracking this. But like I said, she started teaching him, like, basic rudimentary things, like how to add, how to subtract, how to multiply. When she went to teach him division, Bert was like, don't teach him division because he can use a calculator. And I was like, you can use a calculator for all those things. Right. I know. I was like, what? (laughs) Why division? Just that one. (laughs) Hmm. Maybe it's like subconscious, like he didn't want the division of the family. Mm, It's separation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I think I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm stretching that. But then something Susan said, I literally wrote, hold the fucking phone. Like, on my notes. When she's helping him with all this shit, he's 16. Mm -hmm. He's 16 years old, and he has the Ackerman of a fourth grader. Yeah. 16? That kid's almost grown. Right. And he's just learning the basic. And then that kind of was like, I was like, what the fuck, Susan? Mm -hmm. Like, why the fuck aren't you helping him, like, when he's eight? When he's 10? (laughs) <laughs> and then they literally, right when I'm writing that question, Susan answers it. Apparently, it had been breached. The conversation about teaching Anthony had been breached his whole life, and Bert just didn't want to. Bert had ordered those, those like, testing things, and that's why he, what he said his school was. He mm-hmm. was barely teaching him anything. Right. And so it gets to the point, like, why are you allowing this to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, as another per- person, like, I don't want to... I don't want any blame, like, I don't want blame to go on Susan, but I do have to ask the question, like, at some point, at this point in that episode, my opinion changes much later. At this point in the episode, because you don't really know the history between Bert and Susan, because the way that she had been acting, it sounded like it was all fucking rainbows and sunshine for her and Bert. Mm -hmm. That, like, you know, they all, they went traveling, she spent money, he bought her new cars all the time. So I was just like, well, is that why she's staying with him and just, like, letting his son just fall by the wayside? Like, what's going on? But we will find out other things later in the episode that, like, kind of change that. Interestingly enough, Anthony says something that's really insightful when they're interviewing him. And, you know, later he says it's easier to control a dumb person than a smart person. Mm-hmm. And it's true because, like, is, if Anthony doesn't even know his own fucking home address. Yeah. He becomes so reliant on Bert. Right. And he wanted and those strings. Exactly. I just started thinking about, like, if this hadn't happened, like, what would have happened when Anthony turned 18 and he could, like, leave and, like, run away? I don't know. But we know that from domestic violence and abusers, it's hard to run away from them because of the fact that, like, there's fear. So that may not have happened. We learn a little bit about Jarrett's background. We learn that his parents, his dad was a drug dealer. His parents were hippies. They were big into coke. In fact, his mom used to take him to cocaine houses as, like, a child, and they were abusive to him. And this is why he wanted to become a lawyer. It's because he wanted to defend those who couldn't defend themselves, and this is why he took Anthony's case pro bono, because he saw what he went through as a child and saw Anthony and completely understood it and was like, I had to. And so he says on there, he's like, I'm not taking any money Mm -hmm. from this case. And I was like, good for him. And he was like, he told Anthony, everything your entire future your entire life is on the line and we have to fight and he's like and i'm gonna fight for him and i was like good for you 
Jarrett is smart enough to understand that unless they basically get rid of the manslaughter charges or get it down to manslaughter and then like less, they're going to have to go to trial. Yeah. And he does something that I haven't seen a lot of, which is he holds a full on mock trial. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because I've actually never seen that before. No, like at it all. was crazy. So I thought that was really interesting for sure. Yeah, he had someone on his team argue and not like, and I was like, okay, yeah, but like they want to win. But like, no, this dude went like fucking hard. Mm-hmm. He was like, he he gave the state's case. He threw everything at them. Jarrett threw everything at him. They had, I think about eight people, I want to say, like between six mm-hmm. and eight people as jurors. Because this is all during COVID or like, I guess like, yeah, during COVID. Yeah. So like they had to like social distance and whatnot. And they presented the case. And the interesting thing is, is because this is a mock trial, they could watch the deliberation happen of yeah. the jury. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I want to see that actually happen. Like, I would love to see like a big case mm-hmm. be argued like this and then watch the deliberation, like the full thing. That was so exciting for me. <laughs> and it was interesting because every single person in that room felt for Anthony. Mm-hmm. Every single person was like, I understand that he was psychologically abused but like there's no because there is no physical evidence yeah and the truth is is if you're Bert, you're not fucking taking pictures when your kid has bruises all over them no also think about the fact that like with Teresa, anthony's actual mother she did go to the hospital when she was being beaten by Bert, and Bert went to jail mm-hmm. it wasn't long term and shit went away but Bert, he's not stupid So he understands if I cause evidence-based harm, like where they can go, look, her eyes bruised, like shit's wrong with her and you did it, they'll lock me up. But if they can't prove it, like what's going to happen then? Yeah. There are people in this world who know how to hurt people without leaving marks. There are people out there who know how to hit people and make it look like it's not going to look. There's, you know, there's no bruises or just scratching. and. This is kind of what he did. And it was psychological abuse. So they bring in a forensic psychologist to do an analysis. And her name is Catherine Lying. And she's going to like interview him, Anthony, and go through everything. So she's like, okay, I have to do this. They start interviewing the people who lived in the house that was having this abuse. The abuser was Bert, but Susan was there and Peyton, Susan's son, was there. According to Peyton, when Bert was home, the house was just like on edge all of the time. And I think he used the word it was hell. He would throw dishes. He would throw fits. He would kick. He would hit. Peyton said like one time he threw a Jenga set at his head. Those are heavy. Like that's dangerous as fuck. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, is, and I I don't want to downplay physical violence. I don't want to downplay that at all. But like sometimes the threat of being hit is just as fucking psychologically like it's it hurts just as much like it doesn't like physically hurt as much but it does the same amount of damage Mm -hmm. if you're constantly living in fear that you might get the fuck beat out of you you're never like your fight or flight it's always in fight it's always in flight it's always going and everyone in Bert's house had to be on the lookout like anthony says that like he would watch his dad to see what moods he was in but the problem was, it's not that Bert was like, I just like get this look on my face or I'm in a mood. It would be like, 
Bert was fine, and then Bert was throwing dishes. Mm-hmm. He'd just snap. In a heartbeat. But there was a pattern of violence. And, you know, I think he learned. I think he learned f- with Teresa what to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. Peyton says that he used to, like, psychologically break Anthony down, too, by, like, calling him names. Like, he would call him fat ass. He'd call him a motherfucker. This is, like, his kid he's, like, talking to like this. Yeah. And they said that it was rarely other than hell at their house. And mind you, Bert has this whole fucking place wired. So Susan was saying, like, she would pull into the driveway. The notification would pop up that she pulled into the driveway. And then she would, like, pull in, like, when she would finally park, because they didn't actually park in their carport. They parked, Mm -hmm. like, outside. When her engine would turn off, he would get a notification that her engine turned off. And he would run out to her. Mm -hmm. Every time she got out of her car and he was home, he was literally at her door. Mm -hmm. In theory, that sounds cute. Like, if you have this loving relationship and, like, let's say he, like, met you with a glass of wine and, like, a kiss. But, like, Mm -hmm. also this kind of sounds like you don't fucking trust me to get from the fucking, my door of my car to the door of our house. And that you need me there. Also, all their doors have those, like, beeping sounds. Exactly. Which yeah. I really hate. They bother me. They, they give me anxiety. Oh, my God. That shit's so annoying. I hate those. <laughs> Mainly because I had a boss who had it. And, like, every time I hear it, I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> One time with Peyton, it was so bad because he had started, like, this is where we start. Okay, I should say. This is where we start learning what happens to Susan. Susan is also being abused. She's being physically abused. And she's documenting it, kind of, a little bit. And Peyton is there, and he's just, like, fucking enough. So he calls his dad, whose name is Dennis, and Dennis comes and gets Peyton, and Peyton kind of tells him everything, and he's like, fuck that. And he, Dennis calls the cops to come out and look. And, you know, they talk to Anthony, and the police ask Anthony, has he ever, like, abused you? Has he ever abused Susan? And he's like, no, I've never, he's never abused me. and I've never seen him abuse Susan. And, you know, the DA is like, well, why would he say that? And I'm like, sir, the cops are standing outside of this house with the security cameras pointed right at them. So, Mm -hmm. like, everything Anthony says is recorded. So Bert could literally be sitting inside watching this happen live. So even if, like, Anthony, like, dipped his head down and said something really quiet, Bert would know. Yeah. It's basically, I think that's what it was. I think it was the fear. Like, and in that moment, Bert isn't in handcuffs in the back of a car being taken away. He's literally in their house. And Anthony was a kid, you know? He was, like, 15, 16. Like, and he doesn't have the social skills to really understand how to communicate with people. Yeah. But also, Anthony has noticed that, like, when the police do get involved with things, Bert doesn't get in trouble. So why would he try, like, you know, someone was like, why wouldn't he call the police if Bert was being this bad? what's the point? Right, like, (laughs) he's like, they're going to come, they're going to ask some questions, I'm going to have to lie to the police, Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to go home, and then I'm going to be home with my dad, and that. Yeah, and he knows if he tries to fucking say something... When he gets back to Bert, it's going to be worse for him versus if he just acts like everything's fine. Exactly. We see this time and time again in in a lot of domestic violence cases where people are like, no, it's fine. Everything's good. It's okay. 
because they know that the retaliation or the repercussions of their actions of getting help could be deadly for them. Mm -hmm. They started asking Anthony, like, what made this time? Like, he's been abusive your whole life. So why now? Why in June of 2019 is this happening? And really what it came down to is a couple, like in February, Susan had left him, had left Bert. He got really abusive with her and she was like, I can't do this anymore. And she left. And she talks about this. She's like, they were arguing in their bedroom and he walked up to her and he punched her in the face. And she was like crying and everything. And he turned and walked away and then he stopped, looked back at her and said, you don't know what I'm capable of, little girl. So she packed her shit and she stayed at a hotel and she left. Now, this triggers Bert to go into a depression because when someone is an abuser, they're like, okay, the person I'm abusing is gone. I have no control. Who's the only one left is Anthony. Susan's brother, Mike, if we remember from the first episode, is back and he's like, I asked Susan, is Anthony going to be okay? And she's like, I think so. Like, you know, I don't know. But she had to get out of there. And she got a protective order, like dates back and it shows basically talks about his domestic violence like shit all the way back to the 90s. According to Anthony, he is more prone to fits of rage when he's been drinking. So alcohol equals violence. Mm -hmm. One of the things that the DA starts questioning is, why is Susan not documenting Anthony's abuse in her reporting? And all the times that like she's talk to the police. Why have it, hasn't she been like, oh, and he abuses his kid? I don't I actually have an answer for that. I mean, maybe it's just she didn't feel like it was safe. I mean, she says that. She literally says if she did anything or took him that he would kill her. Right. Right. That's true. So at this point, she's documented physical, psychological, and neglect. Like, that's what we know is the, that kind of abuse. And When he loses control, he starts to spiral and he starts drinking like a case of beers, like 24, a 24 pack a day. And he gets super religious. According to Anthony, he starts hanging crosses all over the house. He starts wearing a cross. So you have this drunken man who's super religious. So you have like a drunken zealot, essentially. Mm -hmm. Anthony, because he only worked, you know, like only would go to work when he wasn't, he would stay at home in his room. He would just be in his room and he wasn't allowed to have contact with the outside world. Like I wrote this down like three different ways. He was not allowed to have contact with the outside world. He had no social interaction with adults or children that weren't approved by Bert and none with children. He wasn't allowed to have like a best friend and he never saw a doctor. He never went to the dentist. He never went. He didn't even have like a routine medical care. Like, you know, every year you go to the doctor, like especially when you're a kid. Mm -hmm. Go to the doctor every year. He didn't have any of that shit. There were zero medical. There are zero medical records of Anthony's. That's crazy. That's almost impossible. When you're a human, they're like, okay, you're a human. You, I mean, I'm sure Teresa had them, like his birth mom. I'm sure up until the time that Bert took him, there's probably medical records Mm -hmm. with Teresa, but Bert had none. And the reason for that is because if no professional is looking at him. There's no one to catch the signs. That's why he couldn't go. That's why they didn't go to school. Because if he went to school, he could be called into the counselors. A lot of 
child abuse is caught because someone at a school notices extra bruising, notices like neglect signs. So they're like, we'll say. So Bert, the theme of this section was Bert hit his bad side really well. People like even Bert's best friend, James, had no idea Anthony was being abused. None. And he he kind of interacted with Anthony on occasion. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to the whole thing. Like, it doesn't, a lot of times physical abusers know where to abuse you so you don't show. Mm-hmm. But he used a different kind of, like, torture, which is isolation. Like, if you don't think that there's another person out there who cares about you, gives a flying fuck about you, where are you going to go? You don't think the police will help you. You think your mother is this druggie who abandoned you. So, like, what else are you going to do? You're going to stay because at least staying, you have a roof over your head. They are feeding him, so. Yeah. So, Susan is out of the house. Bert starts getting really isolated, too. When he would be home, he was always carrying a loaded gun, which I think is very scary if you're an abusive person and you're also just walking around with a gun. Susan tries to, like, serve him papers. So, like, her brother Michael and then his son, who they call Junior, I'm assuming his name is Michael as well, try. It's really, like, a, I don't know, I started laughing when (laughs) Junior was on screen because he just seemed kind of ridiculous. He's kind of like a hyped up kid, like a hyped up guy. He was, like, yelling. (laughs) Like, he comes up to the door and he's, like, pounding on it and he's yelling, you fucking pussy, open the door. And I was just like, dude. What are you doing? He has a gun. You can see him and you can see the gun. Why are we yelling this? Didn't seem logical to me (laughs) whatsoever. But Bert was afraid of Susan's brother and nephew because they loved their sister and aunt and they wanted to protect her. At one point, Susan goes to get her belongings and they wait till aunt or they wait till Bert isn't home. And Anthony is so ingrained to, like, do everything that Bert says. I don't know who initiated the conversation if, like, Bert saw them on the cameras. And so then, like, he started texting Anthony or if Anthony saw them and then Mm -hmm. started texting Bert. But Bert tells Anthony, don't let them in the house. They're there to beat you up. They're there to hurt you. And Anthony is scared. And Susan comes in the house because she has a key. And so then she's like, Anthony, we're not going to hurt you. This isn't about you. We're just coming to get my shit type thing. And Michael, the brother, is like explaining that he's like, there were guns on the table. There was like a shotgun on his dresser. There were just like pistols everywhere. So you can see like there were just guns. Like when I first started hearing this, I thought like Anthony had to like go in and get a gun out of like a safe. According to this. They're just fucking everywhere. Right, exactly. When they were like, oh, he had two guns. I was like, they probably were just like right there. He was like, oh, look, guns. Mm -hmm. You know, Bert comes home while they're still there and he's like screaming at them. And then he gets in his truck and then he waits a little bit to drive away, but his window's down. So like Mike Jr. like throws the paper because they had to serve him papers like in the truck. I was like, good for you, boo boo. Good for you. (laughs) Because then Bert drove off. So he's been he's been served with a protective Mm -hmm. order. So now he can't come near Susan. Susan. Susan creates a little bit of a scandal, and I'm kind of here for it. A <laughs> oh little bit. Oh, my God. So he deserved this shit. I know. So Susan hosts her protective order on the Nextdoor app. So and everybody in Bert's fucking neighborhood. And, like, you know. You know if people didn't, weren't on that app, 
you could just be like, oh my God, Bill, did you see what Susan posted on the next door app? They'd be like, no, I don't have the next door app. And they're like, this is it. And they're like, really, like, mm-hmm. you know, like people are over garden fences talking about this shit. And like mm-hmm. one of the neighbors that was like in the first episode was like, it was so weird because we're like reading this. And then like three days later, Bert's out like walking around the neighborhood with a smile on his face. And they're like, I would have not gone out of my house. I wouldn't have left. I would not right. have shown my face in the neighborhood. And I was like, well, maybe Bert didn't know, but I'm sure Bert knew. Because I'm sure he used the Nextdoor mm-hmm. app to, like, monitor his family as well. Mm-hmm. The comings and goings. So outwardly, outside of the house, Bert seemed completely unaffected by this. Inside, according to Anthony, Bert was freaking the fuck out. Bert was like, what the fuck is happening? Oh, my God. He became so different. And he became really paranoid. They kind of a little bit in here, like, jump to the fact that they're talking about, like, what kind of trial that they might go to and they talk about the fact that like if they go to trial with this there's a huge risk the risk is almost too good too great because if he goes to he's got second degree right now they hadn't officially moved it to manslaughter because they were the da was using that tactic to get him to plea manslaughter Mm -hmm. and so if he didn't plea he would go to court and get second charge with second degree which means he could end up going to prison for his, the rest of his life. Right. They kind of like interjected that in here. It was a little weird spot, but that's what they did. Then they start like digging in and they start looking into Bert like the, fe- the weeks before his murder. And they realize Bert lost his job. Remember, Bert had this really great job where he could provide for everything. I'm pretty sure drinking a case of beer a day probably affects your ability to work. Right. You know? He lost his job due to job performance and then started just racking up debt. He was over $80,000 in credit card debt. Holy fuck. That is like. Yeah, it's so much. Insane. Holy shit. But Bert was desperate. He had money problems. His wife was gone. He was losing his grip on reality. He was just like scared and paranoid. Like, I guess at one point when the cops were like, they were trying to help Susan serve papers. Mm -hmm. literally like they're knocking on the door and Bert is standing behind the door with a fucking loaded shotgun. So fucking crazy. I also wanted to say to Junior, like, you know, if they had a mail slot and you saw him, if you make eye contact with him, you could be like, you're served, bitch, and slide it through. But maybe they didn't have a mail slot. You can actually serve someone and throw papers, at least in California, you can. I mean, they eventually did. They threw him in the truck. (laughs) Right, but like, like, if you're just standing there and someone's, like, refusing to take it, you could throw it at them and be like, yes, sir, mm. bitch, and be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the thing was, he wouldn't even, he didn't even give them that opportunity. He wouldn't even open the door. That's true. That's the kind of process server I'd want to be and be like, yes, sir. It's like, there's other people. But yeah, he was scared and paranoid and he was getting reckless. Obviously, like, if you're just leaving loaded guns around your house, even if you are, like, stable and they're not, like, put in secure places. Like, if you just have, like, a shotgun on your dresser and two pistols on your kitchen counter and, like, one on your hip, that's just a, that's just a recipe for something bad to happen. Even if everyone yeah. in the house gets along. That's, like, the cat's going to fucking knock it off and it's going to go off and shoot someone type shit. Right. Right, you know? Because, you know, he would not be the type to leave a fucking safety on. <laughs> I don't, I, as quickly as it was for Anthony. Honestly, probably, like, no safety on. Has it already in, Loaded, in ready red, to ready to go, just got to yeah. pull the trigger, like, type of shit, which is not how you're supposed to do that. <laughs> no, no. Gun safety. 
Mm-hmm. Anthony says that, you know, he was afraid. He was afraid of Bert. And his thing was, what was to stop Bert from shooting Anthony? He literally had guns around. And like, yeah. as unstable as Bert was, I honestly believe this is my strong opinion. And I could be wrong. I could be just looking into it. But this is my opinion. I think if Anthony hadn't shot Bert first, Bert would have shot Anthony. It was just a hundred percent. Whether too. it was a yeah. drunken stupor, he's just going to get mad and overreact. Instead of throwing a Jenga set at him, he's going to shoot him. Like, that's honestly what I was thinking. Forensic psychologist goes through this. Dr. Lying, she goes through it and she says, according to Anthony, the story is he's woken up by Bert because Bert went through Anthony's phone, which I'm sure he has cloned, and saw text messages from like between him and Susan. And he was really upset. And because the rule was that Anthony wasn't allowed to talk to Susan unless Bert was there, this broke that. So he got violent. According to Anthony, Bert lunged at him. And instead of like, he like evaded him. And the reason, because I was always like, why did he go in Bert's room? Because that was the question in some of these. Mm -hmm. Like, why did he go in Bert's room? I guess where they were fighting for him to like evade Bert, it was the easiest escape route. He went mm-hmm. into Bert's room and shut the door and locked it. I was going to say, I bet it was only bedroom with a lock, too. <laughs> I'm sure. Like, <laughs> you know, Bert wanted his privacy, but nobody else got theirs. Mm-hmm. And then he said that he saw the, you know, the door was locked, but like Bert was trying to bang it down. And so, you know, he just looked and grabbed the guns. Now that I have an understanding that Bert was just fucking leaving guns all willy nilly. I don't really think this was too premeditated. Like, I think this was like, oh, look, a gun. And I think Anthony really did think at this point, my life is in danger. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was an immediate danger, but he knew his life was in danger overall. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like snapped. He didn't trust the law. He didn't think he could get away. Like, what would happen? Like, let's be real. What happens if he runs out that like, you know, the cop is like, well, wh- why didn't he just escape out the window? What happens when he escapes out that window? Bert calls right. the police. The police come get him. They track him down. They come get him. And where do they do? They bring him back to Bert. Mm-hmm. And there's no physical evidence. There's no, any, there's no history of report that there's domestic violence. They're going to think this is just some spoiled rich kid. Because mm-hmm. that's what it looked like from the outside. Some spoiled rich kid who just got mad at his daddy. Yep, exactly. And he knew that was the case, so that's why he didn't bother. Right. I mean, that's why his escape plan was, if I kill Bert, or if I hurt Bert, not kill, but if I hurt him, they won't give me back to him. Mm-hmm. I think Anthony was, I don't even think Anthony necessarily was a danger to Bert. Like, I know that it seems weird because he killed Bert, but like, I think Anthony, because of Bert, was a danger in the situation. Mm-hmm. Desperate people hurt people. We see this with people who are addicted to drugs. We see this with people like, you know, who are really out of control in their life. They will hurt other people. And I think, honestly, Anthony was desperate to get away from Bert. And the only way he knew how. He's 17 with barely a fourth grade education. The only way he knew how to get out was to make it stop forever. Mm. And he thought, if I hurt Bert enough, that's forever. So then we flash forward to January of 2021. It's interesting, something Jarrett says, which is that no one who wasn't living in their home knew about the abuse. 
But when it came out that there was abuse, nobody was surprised. And nobody who knew Bert wanted Anthony to go to prison for this. Right, and that speaks volumes. Oh yeah, that's, a, that's very telling. The only witnesses to these crimes were Peyton and Susan, and they were like, we're mm-hmm. willing to testify. We will get on the stand and we will testify. Dr. Mm-hmm. Catherine Lying, when she did her psychological evaluation, her forensic psychological evaluation of Anthony, she did not detect any sense of lying, abnormal, like, truth-telling. Like, there was no, like, hidden message in this type situation. But the one thing she did see was that there were all of these markers for abuse, both psychologically and physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. So he had that. So Jarrett takes all of this, all of this information, the willingness of Peyton and Susan to testify, the forensic psychology analysis, and they take it to the DA. And what they're asking for is negligent homicide with a sentence of probation. And the DA takes the offer. And so he gets negligent homicide. And once he serves his probation out, so he's not going back to jail, once he serves it out, it will be immediately expunged from his record. It'll go away. Well, no, they have to apply for the expungement. Okay. I did misunderstand that. You're correct. That makes sense. Jarrett is talking to Anthony while this is happening, like telling him in like real time on the documentary, like, this is what you get. This is what's happening. And Jarrett starts crying. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I was like, stop it, Jarrett. I'm no, I literally was like, stop it, Jarrett. You, you already know I love the man. I'm already like super in love with the dude. And I'm like, okay, you make me cry. And then I was just like, whatever. And he's like, you know, the thing I love that he did is both the DA and Jarrett said, you have a chance to like, make your life a success story. Don't fuck up. And they've thrown resources at him to help him with this shit. So It was interesting because the DA was like, the system helped Anthony. And I was like, fuck that. Jarrett came through for Anthony. Because I guarantee you, if he had just gotten some fucking run-of-the-mill public defender Mm -hmm. who was like, bratty kid, shot his dad, whatever, move on, we would be looking at a case where Anthony was in prison for this. Oh, 100%. 100%. It's because Jarrett took like and was like this. Then... More feels were coming in the documentary because it's not like I couldn't already been crying over Jared <laughs> being happy. They, they flashed to a scene of Teresa, his mom and his grandma and his aunt. And they're tying yellow ribbons around trees. And they're all excited that he's coming and like they're nervous. And you can tell and like Anthony's nervous because they're like filming him while he's driving down there. And right. he's just like, I think like the documentary people are taking him. And Mm. he's going to meet them. And oh my God, when his grandma Patricia walked up and then the fact that Anthony like hugged her, because I was like, he's going to shake her. Like he walked up, I was like, he's going to shake her hand Mm -hmm. and it's going to kill them, you know, because they're like, oh, I love Mm. him. But he hugs them and she was like, and he was like, it's nice to meet you. And she's like, I've met you so many times. I changed her diaper. And it was like, it was so like heartwarming to watch him because like he hadn't had love in so long that like they're trying to love him and he's just sitting there like i don't know what to do Mm -hmm. it's so sad but so like so like wonderful yeah it's a lot and then patricia was like i'm 82 years old i don't know if i'll ever get to see you again but just know i loved you remember me and i was like shut up patricia you're gonna be 
I was literally like trying not to cry during the whole of the time. <laughs> they start showing him baby pictures and things like that. So he sees like, you know, all of this. And remember how Teresa was like, I baked him a cake every year on his birthday. They baked him a birthday cake, which you know probably was mm-hmm. his only birthday cake he ever fucking got. Jesus, probably. I know. I was like, stop. He was like, you made me a cake. Like, it was so overwhelming for him. You can Mm -hmm. tell. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected with what you really want while navigating your life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. Therapy has helped me navigate through my own life. I've learned a lot of tools and coping mechanisms that have helped put me on a successful path. So like Jess and I always say, everyone can benefit from therapy. It is a great tool to have. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash SpookedGirls today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash SpookedGirls. And it was cute because they were like sitting out. Teresa and Anthony are sitting out at this pond and she's like, she's crying and she's like, I know that we're not going to be like mother son, but I can be his friend. And I want to say this to Teresa. I don't know if you'll ever listen to this. I hope you do. Because the one thing I want to say is that like, it's not too late to have a mother son because Anthony has never had a parent that really truly cared about him. And he needs somebody. And I get that that's a distance, but like, what else Anthony going to do? He could move in. He could move home. <laughs> like, I get that yeah. Teresa, or I get that Susan and Peyton are your family, too. But, like, go be with your other family. Go mm-hmm. live with your sister. Go, you know, figure that out. Meet your nieces and nephews. That kind of stuff. The other part that made me cry in the end of this was they interviewed him two months after he got out of prison. Mm. And he starts just crying. Because they ask him what he wants, and he says he just wants a normal life. And I think that was the first moment where he realized that, like, he could have a normal life. Yeah. And it's interesting because he knows that, like, what he needs is to be in control of his own life. Not other people's Mm -hmm. lives, just of his own life, and that he can live normally. And I just want to say this. I hope he finds a life that he can live that makes him feel loved and heard and seen because he spent his entire life not like from the moment Bert ran away with him mm-hmm. the only thing that boy remembered was just hate and i really yeah. hope that he he finds love i hope that he finds people who come around him and like support him and like are there for him because mm-hmm. no kid deserves what he went through yeah and this I was like feeling all the feels too when I finished it. So I went and like looked because I'm like, okay, this is like a couple years ago now, Mm -hmm. you know, so like what's going on now? And if you guys search for him, fun fact, our guy Jarrett, the guy that was his lawyer, has a YouTube channel and just had him and has a podcast like for their firm, like, you know, Mm -hmm. he does different stuff, whatever. 
and Anthony came on it. So Anthony came on it more than once. So Anthony came on it, I think, shortly after like all of this happened, back when this first happened, right? Mm-hmm. And then he came on again. I think there's like a couple videos, but the most recent one was from like June of this year. Right? Oh, wow. So yeah, so now he's 20. He, I think, has a girlfriend, maybe. <gasps> Yay. And they like live together or whatever. And he's was like finishing up his education. So actually this he hadn't I think his like deadline. So that way his like probation could be like done early was mm-hmm. like August. So I think whatever he was doing, he's like done with or should be done with this Yay. month. Yeah. And a couple other little like life updates. He he had gotten a car, but he got into an accident that was not his fault. Uh-huh. He was actually it was funny because it was like. Jarrett still obviously deeply cares for this kid Mm because he was like, yeah, I had a car and then I lost it. And he's like, you didn't lose it. You got in an accident that wasn't your fault. It got totaled. Like You didn't do anything. (laughs) But it's that it's that like everything Mm -hmm. is your fault mentality that he's still probably dealing with. But yeah, no. So so that happened. And their office is actually their firm's actually like handling that case for him. Mm -hmm. And he got a new car. So he's all good there. He's had a couple jobs here and there, but like he, the last one he said, he was like, you know, I loved the people. They were great. What have you? But basically it was like car detailing and stuff. So he was working a lot for very little pay. So he's like, it really wasn't worth it, you know? And I totally get that. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm concentrating on my education and then kind of going from there. And I'm like, that's a very adult. That's like a smart choice, especially if like you're able to, you know, Mm -hmm. like focus on your education and not have the, also that like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of what's going on with him. And then they just kind of like talked about Jarrett, you know, talked about like how he's had his, like Anthony's had his own personal growth, like socially and just Mm -hmm. as a human now that he's actually able to like, you know, fucking live. Right. So it just made me feel like it's like all those like really sad, bittersweet feels you have watching this docuseries. Like, go watch that. And you're like, you feel better. You're like, oh, God, because it's like you do get concerned. You're like, what happens to these people that are especially like that was all he knew. So, you know, you worry, even though we have we've never met this kid and right. never will. <laughs> like, you know, you, you still worry. We might. I mean, we sh- you never know. We might. But you know what I mean? Like, you just like wonder how are they doing? And so like that was that was like great timing. And I sent it to Jess, too. I was like, watch this later. <laughs> I know. I was like, I didn't have time today. No, no, like, no, because it's like, I think the episode's like, and he was like, just kidding, we're not working from home today, so I couldn't watch it. <laughs> it's like almost, it's like almost, it's like 45 minutes-ish of a video, but yeah, I, I watched part of it, and I was just like, oh, good, I'm glad that, you know, he can try to move forward with life and all of that. I love that. I love that for mm-hmm. him. And I love that Jarrett is still very much invested in this kid's life, because he mm-hmm. needs that. He needs someone who has walked out of a domestic incident of abuse in his own family and shown Mm -hmm. that there is a way. And, you know, Anthony, intuitively, he doesn't seem unintelligent. He does seem quite intuitive. So I hope that this has, like, you know, helped him gain that. Because I know that, like, sometimes once you start, like, you're... And I I, I hope that, like, you know, the sky's the limit for this kid. Agreed. I love it. And I'm just going to continue to have a crush on Jarrett for the rest of my life. Oh, Okay, wait till you watch this video. You'll just have more of a crush on him because he's like, 
way more muscly than he was in that documentary or probably because he was wearing like a suit. Stop <laughs> it. I'm going to be like He's in like love in a with tight Jared t-shirt. Ambo. I was like, oh. At first I was like, who is? I was like, oh, this is cool that Anthony went on a podcast. Like, that'll be nice to be able to like watch. But then I realized who it was. and I was like, Anthony oh. should come on our podcast. <laughs> well, Jarrett's is the only one he's ever done. So I'm just going to have to like woo Jarrett to let that happen. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking if we could get Jarrett on, that would be interesting for sure. That would be a really like interesting, insightful conversation. He's married, Jessica. Get over it. <laughs> I didn't know he was married. <laughs> He's married and has children. <laughs> not Sam. I only know this because he said it in the episode. I, I'm not a... I didn't go, like, stalk him. <laughs> in my defense, I did not look for a ring in his documentary. I was just smitten with him as a person. So I was yeah, just like, yeah, I love yeah. him. No, no, no. You're fine. I know. I keep, like, praying to God. I'm like, please, Jared Ambo, please don't be the guy <laughs> who comes up with, like, some sort of big fucking scandal right now because I have publicly said that I have a crush on you. <laughs> or that I like you because that happened in the past. So now I'm just like, okay, <sighs> it's fine. It's, you know, that's what like, so that's what like these type of crushes are supposed to be is that they're like, mm. but yeah, I would love to interview him because like to make that kind of a decision to basically like put a shit ton of your resources towards helping mm -hmm. someone, even if they like pull at your heartstrings, like it's a lot. Like I work with doctors and sometimes when they take cases that are like, not really covered by insurance well they lose so much money and that is like food off their family's table yeah i admire the man and yes i have a crush on him and if we ever interview him i would have to like rein that the fuck in i'd be like no. <laughs> oh my god i know <laughs> all right well on that note <laughs> Sorry, everyone's like jessica is psycho anyway <laughs> thank you so much for listening i was pleasantly not surprised I was very happy the way that this documentary ended. And mm -hmm. now that Tara's given me a life update for Anthony, I'm very happy. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And we will be back on Monday with another one. So toodles. Bye.